Facebook Live and podcast doing two at once. We're going to be answering your Jaguars questions today, talking about a little bit of UF Pro Day, which I was at yesterday. Uh, maybe have Gene call in from UCS Pro Day. Probably not. I can't find the stadium. <laughs> So uh, before we get started with any of that, Ryan, maybe uh, you were down in Orlando beginning this week. You talked to Shad Khan. You talked to Tom Coughlin. We went over that a little bit, but uh, just for anybody who might have missed it, kind of refresh what what was said on Monday and Tuesday. Well, uh, we'll start with Doug Marone. Uh, we talked to him Monday afternoon, early evening, and also first thing Tuesday morning. And you guys tell how excited he is about the roster, about the work they've done in free agency, about how they will go into the draft not having uh, painted themselves into a corner, they have to take a certain position. Uh, you know, he talked. I asked him about the receivers. He said, you know, he thinks Dante Moncrief is is going to be uh, somebody who can, you know, uh, accept the coaching uh, of of this staff and learn the system and maybe do some different things. You know, obviously he's a big fan of the Andrew Norwell signing. You know, said, hey, I'll got to tell the media. I don't have to tell players what kind of team they want to be, and the Norwell signing was a double down on that. Uh, Tom Coughlin talked uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, you know, I think what he the takeaway there is non-negotiable expectations, which means they've remained the same. Uh, the expectations will be high externally, but they're not going to change internally. They're going to be as high as they were last year when they surprised uh, the league. So. Um, he sort of hinted at them adding a receiver, so you never know. They may add another one because uh, they got a couple of veterans, a couple of young guys. And then Shai Khan talked about a bunch of things. The one thing you uh, said, wait till April 19th on our uniforms, a lot J shipyards. But um, he got very, uh, there was a gleam in his eye when he talked about the tarps coming off and you know, he said, uh, I asked him, if you asked for a primetime game? He said, no. Well, I think he knows he's probably going to get one, so he doesn't need to ask for one. So um, so it was a productive uh, couple days down there. And then they uh, came back, made a trade yesterday. Are we on? Okay. Are we recording? We're on and we're recording. Okay, good. Um, but and they made a trade for the quarterback, Corey, Cody Kessler, yesterday. Yeah, Kessler's kind of interesting. 0-8 in his career, but he's with the Browns. is you know, about as bad as the franchise gets for the last few years. His numbers don't look that bad. He was an interesting guy coming out of USC, a third-round pick. He's not going to compete with Blake Worrell to start, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is he going to be a guy who, you know, they draft another guy and those two compete to be the backup? Or um, I mean, maybe this, pushes them, maybe this pushes them into day three now for a quarterback if they take one at all. Uh, this guy, being 24 years old, has two years left on his deal. Very, you know, manageable cap number. Um, I think uh, he'll be the number two, barring his inability to complete a pass or learn the offense and have a train wreck of a preseason. So I think, I think they felt by making the trade now that other teams may have uh, wanted to trade for Kessler in that seventh round pick area. So do it now instead of waiting him for potentially get cut after the draft. Now he's in. Now he's going to be in the building starting April 16th and, and, and can learn the offense on the same schedule that Blake Bortles is relearning it. Uh, you know, keep in mind they they still have a seventh round pick in 2019 from the Luke Boenko trade in Baltimore, so they still have their full complement of 2019 picks. Zoltan, the first guy hey. to comment today, he said no visit to the vet with the rabbits today. Last week, uh, didn't get to watch it live because he was taking the rabbits to the vet. I think he said he walked the they rabbits to do the something, vet. They do things differently in Europe, though, I'll tell you. 
but glad to have you on. He uh, he just wanted to know, we'll kind of put a bow on this whole thing. What was the most surprising thing you heard from those three guys while you were in Orlando? Um, um, nothing really surprised me. I thought Doug would be more authoritative on Miles Jack's role this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to play every down. We know that. But I thought maybe he'd come out and say he's definitely going to be the three-down middle linebacker. He said, hey, if they had to roll the ball out today, that would happen. But I think they want to see what else is out there. Maybe they feel like Miles is better at the strong side for those early downs to be a, a physical presence at the line of scrimmage. Very good. All right, well, that was kind of that for the beginning of the week let's, in let's, Orlando. Well, let's kick it around the Wednesday. You're in Gainesville for UF Pro Day. Yeah, why don't you uh, retweet my tweet so we can get some uh, more questions headed in this way for anybody who's listening on on the pod. We do this basically every Thursday during the off season around 12.30 in the afternoon. We'll be doing a live chat, which you can listen to later on the site and online and at some point, hopefully, on iTunes, but on Facebook uh, for sure. But yeah, yesterday I was in Gainesville uh, for UF's Pro Day, and I will say it wasn't like the old days. Well, you saw why Jim McElwain's no longer there. <laughs> yeah. My goodness, yeah. Uh, I will say maybe two dozen scouts there, which you know probably every team was there, I would say. But the quickest I saw anybody move in terms of who was a scout uh, was when the kicker and punter went to work outside after all the individual drills were done, which sort of tells you you know, kind of where that program has been for the last several years, that Eddie Pinheiro and Johnny Townsend are the most interesting things that you really see. But aside from that, the story was Antonio Callaway, a guy who didn't play at all last season because of his involvement in the credit card fraud case. Also, have had he's been investigated for sexual assault. He's uh, you know been had some run-ins with drugs and that sort of thing. So, oh, and he's taken other guys down with him. Right? Yeah, seven, eight teammates I think involved in the credit card fraud case. So he was back. That was the first time that we had seen him run routes at UF, at least in. You know, about a year and a half, and it, it clearly was rusty, as I said on Ten Ten yesterday. Uh, he had his hands on his hips, he had his hands on his head. He was sweating quite a bit, and you know, he looked like somebody who was not in peak physical shape. And he sort of said that afterward that you know, I, you can only be in so good a shape at this point when you haven't played. Uh, but he looked really good. I thought he's still a smooth route runner, still incredibly fast, good burst. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see sort of where he goes. I would take him. If, if, if he were there in the third round, I would certainly take him. I would consider him in the second round. That was going to be my question. Do you touch him before day three? I would. I think so, just because I don't think it's a good class of receivers. And I think aside from Calvin Ridley, maybe DJ Moore, a couple of other guys, I think he's right up there in terms of talent. Obviously, you know, I was talking to one former player yesterday who said, you know, Antonio Calo is clearly the most talented player there. He is the most talented player that Flores had for several years, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. He just sort of has to make it to the finish line, and you always wonder, is he going to be able to? And even once he gets there, is he going to get tripped up along the way? There's going to always be those sort of concerns. If a team drafts him, they're going to have to invest the resources to continue to make sure he's on the right path. But he's a pretty dynamic talent. Yeah. I mean, a couple years ago, every time I would flip on the highlights, he was scoring a touchdown in yeah. multiple ways. That's what teams want. That incre- increases his need. I think it has to be a team with a strong receiver room with mm-hmm. veteran leadership. I don't think that's the Jaguars right now. No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, they pretty they're pretty committed to their top four right now. But uh, but yeah, you could have a team with a compensatory third round pick. Mm-hmm. Says, hey, we got an extra pick. Let's take it on Callaway. Uh, you know, one slip up and, uh, you know, you'll be deactivated or whatnot. So, you know, everybody will say, well, zero tolerance. Well, 
Not really, because he's still under contract. He's right. going to get a signing bonus. So uh, if I'm a team like that, I would take a chance because he can do a couple things that teams want. He can run and he can score. Right. Uh, that's two pretty good qualities. He reminds me of Tyreek Hill, honestly. Sort of. He's yeah. not that caliber of athlete, so he's maybe like half a step below that. And he also doesn't come with you know, domestic abuse concerns. I will say one thing about him is he doesn't have any violence in his past, which is always helpful. But he does, to me, seem like that sort of game changer who you could plug in. If he catches the darn ball and punt returns, he's pretty dynamic with it. Uh, yeah, he can run, he can catch, he can return. He can change the game in a lot of ways, and I don't think the Chiefs are re- you know regretting taking Tyreek Hill at mm-hmm. this point. And they, that, he came with a ton of baggage yeah. and criticized. Um, the most highly ranked player at UF yesterday was Taven Bryan, who, let's be honest, I had never heard of until I started researching the Combine. Uh, his numbers weren't eye-popping in college, but can a workout warrior low. Can a workout warrior be a first-round pick? If you ask Mel Kuyper Jr., I guess the answer is yes, because Mel Kuyper Jr. had him going number 20 to Detroit in his latest mock draft release Wednesday morning. I don't really see it, to be honest with you. I mean, it's a guy who had 57 tackles in three years at Florida, 40 tackles and four sacks his last season, which, you know, I talked to one guy yesterday who said, Look at the film. He was double teamed. There was no talent around him in terms of the Dominic Easley and Dante Fowler and guys who have been at Florida in the past. And then another guy said, he just doesn't make plays. He makes one play a game, maybe two, and that's sort of what he is. He just didn't look like he was all that locked in. And what's what's to say that he's going to change? I mean, he's a guy who's going to test well. He's big. He can run. He can move. But, you know, guys like that all the time don't pan out. So it's really interesting to see, you know, sort of how polarizing he's become. I wouldn't touch him in the first round. I don't think he's that sort of player. I just don't think... I don't, I don't really see a ton of upside there. He's a guy who I think will help against the run, who might get you a sack and a half, two sacks a season. But I just don't – not to me where you look back and say, wow, this guy has just wowed us from college with how much he's progressed. He, I wonder if his stock will go down once the assistant coaches start digging into his tape and say, yeah. where's the production? We right. know he can lift the barbell. We know he can jump over the plywood box. So – I can't, I, 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 I wouldn't pick him in the first round either just no. because guys don't suddenly become super productive once they get to pro football. Yeah. Usually the production goes down because it's tougher. But uh, I want to ask you about one more UF kid if there's any more questions flowing in yet. Or, yeah, i got a few more. Let's go uh, Nick Washington really quick. Trinity Christian alum here in Jacksonville did not get invited to the combine with a bunch of his former uh, high school teammates. Uh, what did he have to say yesterday? He was good. He's a really smart guy. And you sort of wonder, like, how far can that take you? It clearly took him into being a decent, you know, player in at Florida. But it took him almost his entire Gators career to become a starter on the field consistently. He's had a lot of injury, shoulder concerns. So it'll be sort of interesting. I think he's going to get a shot, you know, maybe fifth, sixth round undrafted guy who gets to come in and gets to, you know, at least a camp invite. And I think he's the sort of guy who... When he works with assistant coaches, I think they'll be impressed with sort of his knowledge of the game, his ability to do different things. He said he thinks he can play safety or cornerback in the NFL. I don't think he has the lateral speed and quickness to play corner. I think safety is going to be sort of what he has to has to function at. But I don't know that he's quite physical enough either. So he's sort of a tweener. That you know, it'll be interesting to see what uh, you know what happens with his career. But I don't see a ton of upside for him either. Unfortunately, as much as I like the kid, I think he's really smart. Talked to him for a while yesterday. Had a lot of good things. He's really talented. He's got a lot of different things i think he's gonna be really successful probably away from football but you know i don't think that he's going to be a game-changing talent yeah. at safety for an nfl team yeah so, all right well we wrapped up uf uh let's go some questions first question uh being that aj Khan is the weak link along the 
offensive line last year and in the last year of his contract, I would think upgrading him is a high priority. Would it be enough to take a guard like Will Hernandez if he's available in round one? What's your take? That's from uh, Reggie. Uh, Reggie, I think that would be on the radar. Uh, I think if you take a guard in the first round, you're probably declaring him as the starter. Um, you know, if it's between a guard or a right tackle, I'd take the right tackle. Um, but uh, I don't think Will Hernandez, he may not even make it 29. Um, he's been pretty highly talked about in the pre-draft process. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Ben wants to sort of know, what, what do you think about Cody Kessler, and does that eliminate any thoughts of drafting Mason Rudolph? Uh, I think it does uh, eliminate Rudolph. Um, you know, I texted somebody yesterday, day three quarterback, question mark, and they said, you know, that's probably, I mean, at, the, at the minimum, that is sort of what the gist of the question was, or the comment. Um, I did not think, even before yesterday, uh, first-round quarterback made a lot of sense. Um, I don't think a second-round quarterback makes a lot of sense. And now you go, maybe if some guy slips into the late third round, you're sitting there with pick number 100 or whatever it is. Uh, maybe you take a flyer, but the Jaguars have a couple of decisions to make. Is one, how many quarterbacks do they want to carry on the 53? Last year, throughout the year, was two, which allowed them to keep uh, four tailbacks and a fullback. Maybe this year they keep two quarterbacks, um, sign an undrafted guy, put him on the practice squad as a as a practice arm. So uh, I think it is a telling acquisition. Anybody who thinks it's not is not paying attention. Yeah, now actually, I had an interesting conversation with former Gators quarterback Austin Appleby yesterday. He was there throwing. Uh a guy who he said that he worked out twice for the Jaguars last season, which, you know, either I don't remember that sort of thing. But I was asking him, you know, sort of as a quarterback, what was your take on the Jaguars only having one guy at that point because that was before the Kessler trade. And he said, um, just with the way that the NFL is set up now, there's so much less practice time that you don't really need that camp arm as much as you used to. He said that's sort of what's kind of really hamstrung him was he thought that he might be able to get in the door as a camp arm, stick around possibly as a practice squad guy, but. Well, you know, from talking yeah. to teams, it just didn't seem like they needed as many guys as before. Well, the key is if you're comfortable with your number two running the scout team. Yeah. Uh, the Jaguars were last year with Chad Henney because he could handle, you know, two game plans. But it has to be it has to be a unique, probably older player as the number two who can do both. Matt wants to know any way to do an early season projection for the record. Is that Matt? Matt's excited. Matt's fired up. Zero losses. Zero losses. The road to Atlanta starts yeah. well, now. We're not homers. We're that's that's <laughs> not what we're talking about. Uh, we just do it always as a joke. Um, I mean, I always wait for the schedule to come out to talk about uh, you know the pluses and minuses. I to still a think season. it should be at bare bottom a nine win team with that uh, roster. I was going to say ten and six. Yeah, but you know, with with the way their defense has remained intact, um, you know. If they go eight and eight, it should be a disappointment. If they go nine and seven, you know we'll see what the schedule says. But you know, I think it, I don't think this is a 12, 13 win team because those are pretty rare in this league. But I think it can be a ten win team and match last year's win total. We have another O'Halloran in the comments. Thomas saying hello. Hey, Dad. How's it going? Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks to everybody for watching. Uh, Ed wants to know: Is the new tight end Safarian Jenkins an upgrade over Mercedes? Ah. Uh, I think in the grand scheme, I mean, they uh, they obviously think so. Um, what are you going to do? That? You're just going to have to hold it that way. Rubbing two sticks together, get this Facebook Live on. Uh, the Jaguars clearly think Safarian Jenkins is an upgrade. He is younger, which means he probably moves a little better, can run a little yeah, faster. Um, you know, he probably can give them a little more in terms of 
moving him around the formation, which is Doug Marone talked about on Monday night, is, hey, he can play in the slot, he can play out wide in the red zone, maybe get against the linebacker. So uh, Mercedes was mostly a red zone receiver at this stage of his career. Uh, they feel like uh, Safarian Jenkins has more versatility. Is it weird to you that Safarian Jenkins only averaged 7.1 yards per catch last year? That seems like almost impossible at the tight end spot that you wouldn't be able to have hit a few more big plays. Yeah, I mean, is, is, is he running just bubbles and tight end screens and stuff? he's not really that sort of guy either, yeah, it doesn't I, seem like. So it's I like, mean, the one thing me and Mercedes would always talk about, whenever it was, and also Julius Thomas, was these are big people. Mm-hmm. They need to catch the ball while they're moving north. Yeah. Uh, they can't run a route, stop catch it turn around it takes a while for that body to get moving again and then your tackle so vertical routes for safarian jenkins uh that that would be the key working those scenes because right now this team uh last year did not threaten the deep middle of the field and i will say in previous seasons 2016 he averaged 11.8 2015 it was 16.1 and 2014 it was 10.5 so there are big plays i mean the average may be skewed a little bit by the red zone but then we would have to really dig into the numbers yeah well it's time to start digging can he block? A couple of people wanted to know. Uh, well, they think so. Um, you know, he's a big guy. Um, it's so tough to tell a tight end. Let's just move on. Would it be worth taking a wide receiver in round one? I say no. Um, uh, Unless DJ – I mean, I guess if DJ Moore is there, you know, I sort of see he's been mocked. But Christian Kirk? Yeah, I think Christian Kirk will be gone. And I don't think that Christian Kirk is really... Like, he seems to me a guy who's going to really flourish in the slot as well. And you sort of don't really need that kind of receiver here. Um, They also don't have a lot of size at receiver. That's why the DJ Moore thing is intriguing. I'll get into that Sunday's Insider. Oh, Uh, a little little hint there. Um, Ah, A little something to look forward to this weekend. Because right now, their best red zone guy is Jenkins. Right, because you know Moncrief can run fast. He can probably win the ball in the air, but he's not going to be a guy that you know is a red zone threat. He's, he's a big play guy. So, so does that make like someone like Cortland Sutton interesting to you? It or, does. Uh, Equin Nimminiminius St. Brown from Notre Dame. A couple of six four, six five guys. That name. I hope he doesn't come here just because. Someone is going to spell. Just imagine. Uh, it's going to be like with spell check. Imagine it's going one to be of our colleagues trying to spell that name. I can't get this name. It's going to be. Uh, <laughs> I did spell check and it came out Equator St. Louis. <laughs> but I do think they need. Um, it wouldn't be my first choice to draft a receiver at twenty nine, but they need to get guys who could help with the passing game. Um, I think a receiver could do that. What about Honestly. somebody like Javon Wims in the fourth round? Well, he didn't run as fast as he thought he was going to run at yeah. the combine. He improved his forty time a little bit. Um, or Jaleel Scott, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, the That's thing the thing about Wims, I talked about combine. I said, "Would you want to prove your senior year?" He says that I just wasn't a speed guy. Yeah. Well, that means that. he's probably got some yeah. work to do when he gets to the NFL. Yeah. So that's kind of where we stand on that. Uh, Zoltan wants to know since the Jags are in win now mode. And some argue their later-round picks wouldn't make the roster. Could you see them making a blockbuster trade to move up to get somebody? If so, who would be the target? And is this roster strong enough? Uh, let's just start there. Well, I think uh, Zoltan was listening to 1010 when I was on the last two hours. Zoltan, were you listening to 1010? Were you? Nod. He's, he's pre-gaming for the real show yeah. with 1010. I was doing I uh, victory, or, uh, calisthenics over there. One thing I brought up is, okay, they have seven picks right now. Is there a room on the roster for seven draft picks? Okay, so. let's say no. Let's say Mike McGinchy is still there at 22. 
do you do you trade you know do you trade a, a third and a fourth to move up seven spots keeping that second round pick? That's what I think they. Mm-hmm. That's the move right now that would make some sense. Not from a not necessarily from the glinchy, but a guy they thought maybe they had graded in the top fifteen and that slides down the board because everybody else is taking quarterbacks. Uh, that would be their big move on night one. What did they give up to move up to get Jack? Uh, I think they may have. They only moved up like a couple spots. Wasn't it like one yeah, or two? Yeah, yeah, because you know, a couple years ago they gave up uh, like a sixth and something else to move up and get Linder. Where this, we're under Dave Caldwell, where this team has been active is in the second round. They've traded up for Jack. They traded up for Cam Robinson. Traded up for Allen Robinson. Um, in the third round, they traded up for Brandon Linder. So, uh, if it, that's why I also think trading down from twenty nine could be a potential move to gain some picks to maybe get uh, two second rounders uh, in a third. Get three players on night two. I could be misremembering, but did you talk to Martinez Rankin at the pro at the combine? I feel like I remember you writing something about him. What do you play for? He, uh, he was the left tackle for Mississippi State. Oh. Uh, I've mentioned him for some reason. I just know. I remember. Oh, Dan Hatman last week in the Q and A. Right, right. He right, mentioned right, right. him as a potential late first. Yeah, but he says it's not a strong right tackle crop. Um, Connor Williams, Mel Kiper said yesterday he thinks Mel Connor Williams from Texas may be a guard. Ooh. Nobody else has said that. Yeah. So. Interesting. All right, moving on to the next question. Doldon, he admits to it. He says, yes, he did listen in to 1010. See, I don't like this new Facebook thing because now we just uh, lost some of our questions. We've got some questions down there that went and hid. So uh, if we haven't answered your question. So we have to go quicker then. we got to just bang through these questions. But, uh, or tw- you can 20- tweet us too. Yeah, you can also tweet us, download the old Twitter account. We really don't like Facebook these days. They're pretty much uh, running newspapers into the ground. Not like anybody else has ever done that before. Uh, Mike Jacecki at 29 slash, you know, would you take a tight end in the first round? Well, that was Peter Schrager from NFL.com. His latest mock this morning was uh, Gusecki at 29. He was a workout warrior, had a great combine. Um, I think tight end would be fine at 29. Trying to get this baby to load. This is good radio. While you're dangling your mic over there. Tell uh, while I load some more questions here, uh, what's coming up in the time scene over the weekend? What can people look forward to? We got a great story about the state of the Florida Marlins. I mean, the Miami Marlins by Philip. Uh, he oh, talked me. to uh, you know the Jumbo Shrimp or the AA affiliate. Um, if the Marlins would get around to assigning their roster, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. He can finish the story, but I read it last night. I thought it was entertaining. Um, they are going to be terrible, but that could benefit the Jumbo Shrimp because they got all these prospects that could be coming through Double A. Um, we'll have the NFL notes. I think Gene Frenette's writing live from UCF today, uh, so that'll be in tomorrow's paper. That will be a joyful thing to see. Yeah, and I want to uh, see what he has to say about uh, Shaquem Griffin. Yeah, and I don't care about fits for Griffin. I just want to read more about the kid. Yeah. Okay. What's the last month been like? Yeah. I mean, you've obviously you know you become a rock star since the combine. You know, uh, what kind of visits do you have scheduled? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So a little birdie told me uh, he might be uh, invited to the NFL draft. Good. He should be. Uh, he'll be a I night. Hope we're night, breaking some news on night uh, two guy in the podcast, but I have been told that he was likely going to be. In we have a high-ranking source at uh, Central Florida. 
I which I think would be cool, honestly. I mean, well, now they do. They invite second round, third round guys to spice up that second night. Yeah. So uh, I think that would be cool. And even if he's not a third round guy, I think this is. I mean, the NFL is going to get hammered, and they have been getting hammered for changing the rules on leading with the head and concussions and domestic violence and everything. So you might as well be celebrating a guy like this, who's a really cool story. And if you can't enjoy this story, then go away. Ah. I don't want you here. Brad said the Marlins will lose 102 games this season. Take that to Vegas. Um, it's tough to lose more. It's tough to lose 100 games in baseball. Yeah. Uh, because of September and so many teams are out of it and playing young guys and the Marlins young guys may be getting a lot of experience. Is uh, Jim Cott, my favorite broadcaster, said baseball teams go into the season knowing two things: they're going to win 60, they're going to lose 60. What they do over those other 42 depends on who's rebuilding, and who's a playoff team. Well, they're already I think I fixed the mic. Wow. Look at that. A, a microphone technician. Where's my tool belt? Marlins already down one nothing in the bottom of the top of the first of the Cubs. Jeez. So it's a good start to the season. Your dad wants to just get a quick refresher on yesterday's trade for the quarterback and any implications it has for the draft. Well, we the regroup with Kessler. It's a break glass in case of emergency guy. I think they wanted a guy who had started games before. He has not had a lot of success. But I think they also wanted somebody who would not upset the proverbial apple cart. He's here to back up Blake Bortles. Uh, he's not here to uh, potentially you know, steal his job after a three-interception practice in the middle of August. Ian Hap homered on the first pitch of the end of the season. So that doesn't sort of just... The uh, harbinger of things to come. Yeah. As for the draft, the thing, I think it pushes it down the list. Kessler's mm. trade, fourth, fifth round, maybe no round. Uh, then they sign a guy to get him through camp. How strong is the depth overall in the Jags right now? What would you say? What was it? How far have they really come from when Caldwell first got here to now in terms of like roster depth? Well, there's there's nobody left from when he came, 2013. So they totally recapped the roster. Um, you would say they have great depth at defensive line, uh, but they don't have a lot of depth at linebacker. No. You'd say they have great starting uh, players in the def- secondary, but the depth leaves a little something bizarre. Jared they, Wilson, I think, is a nice player at yeah. safety. Um, but, they, yeah, corner, no. They were clearly not satisfied with their special teams. No. Um, they were active in that signing three guys, Paul, Davis, Carey, in the first day of free agency. So... Um, you know, running back. I, you know, they'll, you know, maybe they add a guy there to be, uh, you know, a, a complimentary piece for Fournette and Yeldon and Grant. Receiver. They have a lot of guys they like, but not a lot of those guys have done much. Um, so, uh, you know, if you look at their starting twenty-two, I think it's it's pretty solid group. But I think the important part is here to build some depth over the next couple months. Ben wants to know: Is the likelihood of trading for Odell Beckham absolutely zero? I would think so. Um, if you trade for a guy like that, you should have just uh, re-signed Hart, make a bigger play for Allen Robinson, a guy mm. you knew. Um, is They have to earmark some money for the future. And uh, Odell Beckham is probably going to be the highest paid receiver in football yeah. um, with his next contract. So I think, uh, it's, I think the Giants and Beckham are playing a little game like chicken. Uh, yeah. But uh, usually these things, when they start, uh, they end with a trade. Yeah. I, as, as somebody who grew up watching Tom Brady, I would love to see Tom Brady throwing passes to Odell Beckham, particularly if it means Brandon Cooks is no longer a part of my life. 
Is Hayden Hurst a player the Jags would consider at 29? Um, I think they probably would. Uh, he'll be here. I think the local pro day is April 17th, where all the draft prospects from the metro area are allowed to come in. That's why you. That's why you maybe won't see Hayden Hurst as a member of the top 30 visits because mm-hmm. he can uh, be exempt from that. But um, you know, you see the Saints being connected to him. He has a. Like the Saints are having a private workout with him uh, on campus. So uh, I think Hurst would be on the radar. Three Brad, minutes to go. Three minutes to go. So get your questions in if you have them. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you for making it this far. Brad wants to know. Brad, we might have to uh, kill you if once you tell you the answer to this. Have you seen the new uniforms yet, even off the record? On the record, no. Uh, off the record, just between us three, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll find. When, when I will, will say. See them? I will say this: April nineteenth. Okay. So was that three weeks from today? Three weeks from three weeks from then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Three yeah. weeks exactly it's from today. Four weeks from today is the draft. I think people were taking the wrong meaning of the word "bold" from Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Um, bold means like tough, you know, tough. black, you know, teal, not. Bold is being daring, right? Uh, so I think because uh, people said on Twitter, well, their last uniforms were bold. Um, well, they were. They were bold because they're different. Now they're going to be bold because they want to project a certain mentality. I thought that was pretty funny when Shad said he got to pick the last uniforms and they were yeah. universally panned. Yeah, I mean, I, you don't see. There's not many times, I would say, particularly probably recently in his life, that a guy who's worth you know six billion dollars has had people just laugh at him. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with them. Uh, you got used to them because all the big fella wants to see, uh, you just got to be able to read the numbers. That's what yeah. you couldn't do with the teal jerseys last year, so hopefully they'll fix that. Um, but I thought Shot and Tom both revealed the teal part. Yeah. Hadn't, you, know, you sort of had assumed that it was going to be a major part of the uniform, but do they go to a teal on white uh, as a primary home color? But, um, that would be, dare I say, a little sexy. I'm not a big fan of teal. Oh, I like black. Oh, why would you say that? Black jerseys, white jerseys, white and black britches. So how would you use teal? Would you just accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it has it as a third jersey. I would go matted black with the helmet mm-hmm. instead of the shiny black regular stuff. It sounds like it's going to be shiny, though, from what I've Ooh. heard. That was the one thing yeah. I heard, that it was going to be shiny black. Yeah, well. But that could change at any point. That'll be a extravaganza on April nineteenth. If somehow we do land McGlinchey, and by we, Ben means the Jaguars. Do they start on day one at right tackle? And if so, what does that mean for the future of one Jeremy Parnell? Well, we talked about that earlier today, uh, so I warmed up my answer for this one. Let's say they draft Mike Mike McGlinchey. I would draft him with the purpose that you're going to be my starter right away. I'd spend the next sixteen hours before the start of round two trying to shop Jeremy Parnell. I think um, there'd be some interest. I, I mean, he, there would because it's an, it's he, not a crazy contract. Yeah, he uh, played decently well last year. He was uh, about as fun to talk to as that's, the Grinch. That's what clouds the clouds the opinion of him. He's, it's just, I mean, he's, he's a, such an unlikable unhappy, human being. Unhappy I will person. say, like, I pretty much get along with everybody. He sucks as a human being. He sucks. Uh, well, uh, he's difficult, um, but. If you're a team acquiring him, you can get out of that deal after one year. You know he can. Uh, he's played a lot of football, so. But you draft a right tackle at 29. I think you're drafting him to play him. 
or earlier. If you, especially if you trade up, like we were talking about earlier, you're drafting McGlinchey to start right away. And so it is said. That's all we have for today. We've made it through the half-hour mark, which is what we like to usually keep these around. So if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, we should soon be able to have a few more details about that, breaking that off on its own. If you haven't listened to the pod at all, uh, we usually put them in a lot of our stories. Soon they will be on iTunes. If you're watching on Facebook, thanks for watching. We'll be back next Thursday. Brian, thanks for coming to the office. All right, Phil.